this fits into my sermon today. All right, praise the Lord. Welcome to New Life. If you're joining in, in our virtual church, all of you on Facebook and um, YouTube, we are so glad that you joined with us um, today. Um, New Life is located at 1021 South Center Street, if you already didn't know that. I say that so often, I shouldn't forget where I'm located. But 1021 South Center Street in Wapiton, North Dakota. And church started at 10, but we're glad you're with us right now. I want to ask you a question. You see it up there on the screen. Who deserves the praise? Who deserves the praise? And we're going to think about it in terms of a house. Okay, every house is built by someone, correct? Hebrews 3, 4 says every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. That's what Hebrews 3, 4 says, isn't it? For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things again is what? God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and we praise you, Lord, that you are the builder and we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that if lest the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. So, Lord, we yield ourselves to you. We Surrender ourselves to you, the builder of our faith, the one who saved us by your grace. Lord, we thank you for this. And Lord, help us to see who should get all the glory today. Lord, help us to live for you each and every day. And Lord, let us let us be used by you, Lord Jesus, to go and share and be that witness you have called us to be. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You, you notice that I get on that all the time that we need to be a witness and go and share our story of how we got saved with someone. You know why? Did you ever consider this? You know why I do that? Come on. Because hell is real. There's people today who don't think hell is real. Just, you know, just trying to scare people. No, hell is real. And hell is for eternity. And, and if we don't rescue people from going to hell, who's going to do it? So if you've got to say, come to church with me and I'll get you a DVD, you do that. Because you 
should not want to see people going to hell. Right now, our church is surrounded by people who, if they would die right now, would not be making heaven. Not everybody gets to go to heaven. Only those who put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ gets into heaven. That's what the Bible says. I am the way, Jesus says. I am the truth, Jesus says. I'm the way, the truth. I am the life, Jesus said. No one comes to the Father unless through me. And because God the Father wanted us to come to him, he demonstrated, our, demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet, what, sinners? Christ died for us so that we could be saved. Come on. So why wouldn't you want your friends at soccer to get saved? Come on. You kids have a responsibility, too, to share your story, how you came to Jesus. I had somebody come to my house yesterday who, oh, definitely needs a come-to-Jesus moment. Holy Spirit didn't open for that opportunity tomorrow, yesterday. But others have been speaking into that person's life. Sometimes we have to use wisdom in how we do our witnessing. Sometimes all we're supposed to be doing is tilling up the soil so that somebody can... Here, here's the example. I'm tilling up the soil, and Hal comes along, and he starts planting the seeds. Jeremy follows behind Hal and starts watering all this, everything that's been done that Hal did. But I tilled up all that soil. I had to do all that hard work. Yeah, but did you ever see Hal having to walk? <laughs> He's going to say, well, I did all the hard work because I was planting all those seeds. And Jeremy's going, oh, come on, give me a break. I had to go haul all that water. And then Alvin comes behind Jeremy, and he's getting all the fun. He's harvesting everything. Oh, bringing in the sheaves. That's Marion singing behind him. Bringing in the sheaves, we will go. Right? Why? Because the Bible tells us to rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. So let me ask you another question. Is it the architect or the contractor that deserves the praise? I, I always think it's interesting. My dad was an architect. So he built a, he had a beautiful home built, overseed everything, from what kind of screw to use, what kind of nail to use, what kind of sheetrock needed to be used. He's the one who went ahead and ultimately hired the contractor, the subcontractor, the plumber, the electrician. He had to do all that, have them sign contracts to do the job they were asked to do. He had to make sure that all those things were done. Now the contractor goes ahead and he makes sure all the supplies are delivered on time and the job goes in a timely way. While the architect comes and surveys 
and supervises the job he's done. He's the only one to tell the contractor, you didn't do a good job there. Okay? He's the only one who gets to do that. The homeowner can ask lots of questions, but if they're smart because they want the contractor to do a good job and get it done quick, they'll go talk to the architect and say, hey, I saw them doing this, and the architect will go deal with it so that the workers will keep on working. See, the, the architect is there to be the complaint department too because he never wants the homeowner to be given a hard time, okay, from the contractor. He wants it to go. So when it's all done, it's all smiles. So usually this is what happens. The house is done. The people have all their friends. To come, come see our new home. We got it all decorated. It's all done. The paint's on the walls. We got the pictures all hung. We got the furniture in place. You got to see our new house that we built. And they all bring them. And guess what happens? What do you hear? Who's the contractor you hired? But if something went wrong, <clears throat> who was your architect? But who deserved all the praise? Shouldn't it have been the guy who designed it in the first place? Shouldn't it have been the guy who made sure it was built correctly? I'll give you a story before I move on into to more of the sermon here. My dad became the architect for the Wilmette Park District, Wilmette, Illinois, um, suburb of Chicago. You might have saw a part of Wilmette on um, some of those, you know, Home Alone, 16 Candles, and all that. That, that part of the suburbs. Some reason they wanted the indoor tennis courts and, and the ice skating rink all designed to look like pyramids. <laughs> all right, dad gets the job, his boss tells him, You're the architect on this job, you're running it. So he designs these pyramid shaped buildings. By the way, it became known as the Taj Mahal of the Middle West. He, he gets done designing it, and now he has to go do the favorite, his, one of the favorite parts of his job, besides dreaming and designing. He has to go out and supervise and check over the job. And his boss decided, who never picked up a pencil and designed anything, he just had a different whole part of what he did that was his specialty. My dad learned how to write from the man. And he went ahead and he went out to the job site and he looked, standing on the ground, and he looked at the contractor. He says, you put that beam in the wrong place. What are you talking about? The roof line is never going to meet. You put it, it should be over this way. And his boss said, what difference does it make, Irv? He says, I will show you. So he told the contractor, I want you to get some plywood, and I want you to cut out the roof, just the top there. And we're going to go up there and lay the roof up there, what the roof is supposed to meet up. Okay, because he was kind of saying, oh, I put it in the right place. No, you didn't. So they went up. They climbed the girders all the way to the top. Now it's just girders. There's no, and so his boss wanted to go up and see this. He's never climbed the girders before. So my dad had to hold his hand all the way up to the peak. Because it's kind of scary. You only got girders like this, and you're climbing up there. And, and yeah, you, me too. I, I wouldn't really want to do it. I had to climb up to places to help my dad measure things. But 
I had to do it because I was his son. But would I volunteer to go up there? No. They got up there, they laid that down, and it was off. On the way back down, they got down to the bottom, almost to the bottom, and uh, Mr. Taylor looked at my dad and said, oh, you can leave, go now. I, I can do the rest of the way. And all of a sudden, he started stumbling, and as my dad's hand was going away, he grabbed a hold of his thumb and bent it all the way backwards. <laughs> He said, that hurt so much, but how can you yell at your boss? I didn't. <laughs> but he asked my dad, how in the world did you know? He says, because I designed the thing. I dreamt the thing. I knew where it was all supposed to be. God the Father dreamt it all. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He knows how you are put together and why you are put together the way you are. He does not make mistakes. The culture will tell you he makes mistakes, but let me tell you something. God doesn't make mistakes. Now, Paul goes on to to speak about here in Hebrews 1 through 6, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant and the differences between them. We have people today. All you have to do is go online. You'll find them. We have people today who want to put the Old Covenant above or on par with the New Covenant today. They're out there. But Jesus fulfilled the Old Covenant. He did not say he came to abolish it, but to fulfill it, which he did when he went to the cross. The Old Covenant looked forward to Christ, and the Old Covenant pointed to the cross. If you really study the Old Covenant and its main ritual around the Passover, it all points to Jesus and be him being the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus gave us the new covenant, and the new covenant replaced the old covenant. It is greater <clears throat> than the old covenant. The old covenant could not redeem mankind. The new covenant brings salvation to mankind. The old covenant is based on the law. The new covenant is based on Christ and his blood. But that does not mean that we don't look to those scriptures in the Old Testament. Right? Because Isaiah said, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way. But he has placed upon him, Jesus, the iniquities of us all. So you see, we go to, we can take, because Jesus fulfilled the old covenant, and we take those scriptures that speak of Jesus, and they're all old, over the Old Testament. So who deserves the praise, the architect or the contractor? Here's the question then, if we're comparing the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
who deserves the praise? Moses or Jesus? We'll get into that. Moses, who was part of the house, think about that. Moses, that's what Paul writes in Hebrews. Moses, who was part of the house, or Christ, who built the house, who deserves the praise. We love Moses. But he was part of the house just like we are. But it was Christ who built the house. We must make sure our faith is built upon the rock. Okay, I see some of you doing this. I can tell when you were in Sunday school and <laughs> VBS back in the 80s. I will build. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I can tell you're doing this right away, and if you didn't do that, you're okay. <laughs> Jesus told the parable about building your house. Which is better to build your house upon? Is it better to build your house on the sand? No. Or is it better to build your house upon the rock? Building your house upon the sand is like building your house upon the culture of today. It's ever sifting. It's ever moving. It's not something that's going to keep your house from falling down. The, the, and Jesus says that when the storms came up and the waves came rolling in and the rain beat upon the house, guess what happened to the house? It fell down. It, yeah, yeah, it went splat. Or <laughs> Again, they're still doing it, Hal. <laughs> Some things don't leave people. But then Jesus says, if you build your house upon the rock, now who's the rock? It's Jesus Christ. It's not building your life on this culture that we are living through. It's building on a solid foundation upon Jesus Christ. He never changes. Oh, we could have sang that one today. Why is it that uh, some of these songs are written so high it, and you've got allergies that makes you cough. <laughs> Did you ever notice that? <laughs> they, they'll hit notes that are way up there in the stratosphere that nobody can hit. <laughs> and some of the notes that they want you to sing, only a dog can hear. <laughs> but they were good songs today, weren't they? But Jesus says, build your house on that firm foundation. Foundation. So when the storms come, and don't you have storms in your life sometimes? Come on. My word. We could spend all day long today if I say, okay, we're going to turn the camera off and we're just going to, because we don't want to broadcast our storms. And we're going to talk about the storms of our life. We could be here all the way, all day long, where I would have to call up the pizza ranch and order us dinner in. Right? Because we all have different storms. None of the storms we have are alike. They're all a little different here or there, aren't they? We all have challenges. We all have those things. But if we're built, Jesus says, when we're, if we're built, if we build our house, our faith upon the rock, who is Jesus, when the storms come and the waves come and start batting the house, when the rains come and start pelting the house and hail comes, guess what? The house stands because you have a firm foundation. I remember when I was pastoring in Maine in the, in the 90s, um, the bush compound in 
Kennebunkport, Maine. Nor'easter came up the coast. And nor'easter is the worst storm you can have out in New England. And it came, and it came with such a path just right that all of a sudden, and they were way up on a cliff, their house. But the waves were surging so much, it came up and over the cliff, knocked out the doors to the family room, to this beautiful scene that they used, and washed ocean water right into their home, ruining baby pictures and photo albums. You know, you can lose a lot of stuff, but you don't want to lose your pictures. Barbara was so sad because she lost all those pictures of the grandkids when they were little and her kids when they were little because instead of keeping them all down in uh, Texas, they love Kenny Bunkport. It's so beautiful up there. And they lost all that. But they didn't lose the house because the house happened to be built upon a rock. But we have a better rock to build upon, and that's Jesus Christ. Keep building your faith and your life upon Jesus. Ignore what the culture wants you to do. Stand up to the culture. They need that. Do you know there's people in this culture that want you to kind of push back in a loving way? Come on. And mamas, it's okay to tell them, do not touch my kids. It's all right to be a mama bear. And dads, it's okay to be dads. You're not messing with my kids. Right? You know, the, the country, country's getting fed up with a lot of the stuff that's going on. I love it when I turn, I'll get on Facebook and I'll see these young men and these young women who are just fed up with all that's going on and are saying enough is enough. And a lot of them are turning to Jesus. And because they've turned to Jesus, all of a sudden they see the lies around them and they are standing on the truth of God's word. That gives me hope. They're pushing back against the darkness. That's what we should do. But we got neighbors around us. Our mission field right here. And we need to introduce. Young man this morning needs Jesus. Got to meet one of our neighbors that I've never met before. Invited him to church. I hope he comes. Needs a lot of love from God. So let's talk a little bit more about the law and Moses, or the cross and grace, which is Jesus. Let's look a little bit more at Hebrews, and we'll move along. I'll, I, I promise you, I'll, I'll start moving fast now. I've got your attention. Let's compare Moses to Jesus. Hebrews 3, 2 and 3 says, who was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses who was faithful in all the house? For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. Well, we're going to have to unpack that a little bit, aren't we? Because Hebrews is one of those books that was written to the Jews. So the Jews were understanding what Paul, I believe Paul wrote this book. And, and I, the Jews would understand what Paul is saying, but you and I, um, 
we need a little more help with it. Okay? Verse 2 should have read, Christ was faithful to God who appointed him as an apostle and high priest. That's how it should have read when it was translated. There's a vast difference between Moses and Christ, though. It was Christ, Jesus, who talked with Moses from the burning bush. Did you know that? Christ is the great I am. Jesus makes all these great I am statements in the book of John. And they were okay with him saying, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the door, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. They were all okay until he got to his last I am. When he said, I am. That's when they decided he needed to be put to death. Because he was declaring himself to be on par with God because he was using God's name for himself. We don't know how to say I am in Hebrew. It's either Yahweh or Jehovah. We, we, we don't know how to say it because they don't have any vowels. Right? Um, well, now you know. Hebrew has no vowels. All consonants. Well, how in the world do you learn how... You just learn. you got all these little accents that the rabbis have put in so that you know that this is going to be a ya or a ja. So they, anyway, we're not really sure how that all works. We leave it up to the Hebrew scholars, right? Because it's not something that we need to know to get to heaven. But we should be glad that we have people who know how to read Hebrew and Chaldean and Greek. And that's why I always tell you, make sure you get a good word-for-word -word translation of the Bible to have to read from. There's a vast difference between Moses and Christ. It was Christ Jesus who talked with Moses from the burning bush, and it was Christ that is the great I Am. Paul here is proclaiming the humanity of Christ, okay, by which measurement he compares Moses. But let me back up to verse 1 again really quick. Therefore, holy brother, and partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. We need to consider him first before we can really consider anything else. Because he created all things. He died for our sins and rose from the dead. And he is the one we confessed to be saved. I'm so glad the people in the booth are right on top of things. Because I skipped ahead and then I had to go back. Because this is the foundation for everything I'm talking about. It is Christ Jesus who died for us. It is Christ Jesus who created all. The Bible says he created all things. God spoke it. He made it. He created it. Let's make man in, my, in our own image, men and women. It was Jesus kneeling in the ground, playing in the dirt, forming us. It was Jesus who went ahead and took the rib out of Eve's side. Adam's side, thank you. Took a, the rib out of Adam's side and made woman. The father thought of it. Jesus did it, and the Holy Spirit breathed life. 
God working together as one because he is one. Isn't that awesome? So how can we say there's anybody greater than Jesus except for the Father? Jesus says, I say everything the Father tells me to say because I want to bring glory to his name. Holy Spirit says, don't worship me. You worship Jesus because he died for you. You worship the Father because he loved you. They get all the glory. And because they get all the glory, I get glorified too. You know the main job the Holy Spirit has for us? I'll make it so all the guys here can understand it really easy. The Holy Spirit is given to us as an earnest for our salvation. Well, most of us think of an earnest as putting down a down payment to buy your house. And then you go buy, purchase the house. Mm. Actually, if you look at the Greek, it's actually it's giving the engagement ring. Jesus gives, uh, asks the Father to give us the Holy Spirit as his engagement ring that we belong to him when we get saved. Isn't that cool? That's why we give and exchange rings when we get married. We're just doing what Jesus did. So he sends us the Holy Spirit as our earnest or our engagement ring because we belong to him. And that's why we should be true to Jesus Christ. That's why we've got to turn our back on the culture that's around us because my word is any time that the culture's... At one time it was easy to be an American and a Christian because the culture was all Christian. Everybody knew who God was. Everybody knew who Jesus was. Everybody knew why we celebrated Christmas. Everybody knew why we celebrated Easter. And now most people go, huh? There is, an, there is a famine in the land, and it's a, the famine of the Word of God because the culture doesn't know our Savior. And they need you to help them with it. And so the church... Christians have always been countercultural. Besides, there are people who need to be rescued. Here's a, I want to read you a poem I found called Consider Him. Consider, and this is by an unknown author, so I can't tell you who wrote it. Consider Him when the storm is raging high, when the tempest rends the sky, when my eyes with tears are dim. Then my soul considers him. When my plans are in the dust, when my dearest hopes are crushed, when is past each foolish whim, then my soul considers him. When with dearest friends I part, when deep sorrow fills my heart, when pain racks every weary limb, then my soul considers him. When I track my weary way, when the fresh trials come each day, when my faith and hope are dim, then my soul considers him. Clouds or sunshine, dark or bright, evening shade or morning light, when my cup flows o'er the brim, then my soul considers him him. I like that poem. I usually don't throw poems at you, but today I got three points on a poem. When I started pastoring back in the 80s, that's, you knew you did a good job. You had three points on a poem. You got it done. 
that was really good homiletics. And homiletics is just the study of preaching. Yeah, I gave you a freebie today. There is no comparison. God deserves all the praise. Hebrews 3, 4 again says, For every house is built by someone, but he who built, the, built all things is God. Of course, Jesus is the second person of the Trinity, and Jesus himself said, All glory goes to the Father, so how can we take the credit for what we do? Our goal is to fill this house and fill it over the brim. Somebody was saying, well, I went down to the music festival the other night and they had all these chairs set up and everybody's chair was full and then there was standing room only over here on the hill and everybody was enjoying and it was a good time. Everybody had fun for all. All right? Well, I have over 100 seats set up. I can have over 100 chairs set up in here. Where are they? We got music, as one of our worship leaders told. We got music. How come they're not bringing people out to church? Right? Come on. You, you know where I'm going with that. But if this place was packed, am I being true to the gospel if I take credit for it? No. When we moved from our little church building to here, every time we got to 50 people, we shrink because the building made you felt, feel claustrophobic. And I had said if we stayed, I was going to rip out the ceiling that we had <laughs> that was spent all that money to put in and make it tall so that it didn't feel so small because our church was actually as big as one of the churches in Breckenridge. The difference between us and them is they didn't have that low ceiling. Sometimes we're Westerners. There's a reason why that song, Don't Fence Me In, was written about North Dakota. Because we like elbow room. We don't like being feeling closed in. But I was told by the overseer, our bishop at the time, and he says, you should tell them down at headquarters all that you've done here. Take credit for it. And I looked at him funny. I can do that. I can look at people funny. You laugh at me all the time. And I said, no. Do you think I'm that smart to do everything that we did to get into this building? All I, the smartest thing I did was listen to God. He birthed it in my heart. He told me to do it. And it happened. He deserves the glory. Right? And so as we start to reach out into our mission field around us, we need to always remember he gets all the glory. I don't care what we're doing to reach people. He needs to get all the glory. The day when our closed closet, we start taking credit for the people we help, is the day we should shut it down because he deserves all the glory. Amen? Again, I want to get another building. Not for us to worship in, but to put the clothes closet in and other ministries to go along with because times are getting hard. And we don't have the room for 
to really do it right. There is a clear distinction over the old house, the old covenant, and the new covenant. And we're, well, we're winding down. We're going to do verse 3 and 5 together. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a what? Did you notice the word they used there? A servant. For a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ as son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Ooh. Jesus has ownership. Moses was part. We need to embrace the cross, my friends, the new covenant. Verse 6 refers to the church, whereas verse 5 reversed refers to the, old, to the law in Old Testament. Again, the Old Testament was our school teacher showing us that we needed a Savior. That's what it's there for. Did you know that? That's what Paul says. The Old Testament, the prophets, they were our school teacher. Hey, can you keep the law? Can you keep the law perfect? Hmm? Did you ever take a piece of candy when you were a child? from the store, popped it in your mouth and didn't let your mom know you did it, didn't pay for it, well, you just broke the law, you're in trouble, you're going, you need a savior, right? Did you ever covet your neighbor's stuff? Oh, I wish I had his bike. Oh, I wish my grass was as green. Oh, my, and worse, I wish I had, never mind. I wish, I wish, I wish. Well, you broke the law again because you coveted. <coughs> Excuse me. The Old Testament, the Old Covenant was our school teacher. It showed us we needed Jesus. What did John? John the Baptist was the last Old Testament prophet. Some of you knew that, some of you didn't. Now you know. Jesus said he was the greatest of all the prophets, and we don't know all the things that he did because it was not necessary. The Holy Spirit didn't think it was necessary to write it all down. But what did John say to his disciples and the people present when he saw Jesus? There's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He had the greatest message that we all need. There's Jesus. He takes away your sin. He's your Savior. Let him in your heart, and your life will never be the same. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end, this is possible if we keep our confidence in Christ and the cross. Did you hear that? I just read the verse again. If we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. That's that last part of that verse. Of verse 6. This is only possible if we keep our confidence in Christ and the cross. The cross ever before me, the world ever behind me. We don't worship a, two pieces of board. When we talk about 
Keeping the cross before us, we're talking about Jesus, his work. And what did he do for you on the cross? He carried all of your sickness, all of your diseases, all of your struggles, all of your nonsense, all of your mess, and he carried all of your sins. And what did he say when he got to the end? He said, it is finished. And when you get Jesus into your heart, he says, everything is finished. I've carried it all. Turn it over to me. But as young Christians, what do we do? We get Jesus in our heart, we just rejoice, and we still carry our junk. That's what we do. We carry our junk because we didn't listen to Jesus when he said it's finished. And so we carry our junk. And little by little, we start getting rid of our junk. Here you go, Jesus. You can have that one. I already carried it. It's finished. Here, Jesus, here's another one. I already carried it. It's finished. Uh, See, he carried it all, so why not just turn it all over to him? That's how we get, that's how we're sanctified. Not because of what we do, but because of what he did. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin was a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. We are not to go back under the old covenant. So as you see these guys on Christian TV, and you see them on Facebook or YouTube, and they're trying to get you to go back under the Old Covenant, you can say, no, that's not what the New Testament says. No, I'm not going back under the Old Covenant. Those who Christ has set free, the Bible says, are free indeed. We are ever to keep the cross before us and ever to keep that world, the culture, behind us. And I was just going to say, let us pray. But the Holy Spirit just wanted me to make reference of something that just happened this week. Jason Aldean got canceled by CMT. Ooh, they did such a, 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 a strong thing. They canceled Jason Aldean. You know what they did? They made him number one on the country charts by canceling him. And if you haven't heard the song, you, you find out, I saw a young millennial, he, he, black kid, talking about the song. He says, I listened to the lyrics and there's nothing wrong with that song at all. There's nothing about race in it. He says, but you know what, Jason Aldean, we need to learn from? He says, you know what? When you speak the truth, you don't have to answer all the critics. Just speak the truth. And if you don't know who Jason Aldean is, that's okay. You don't have to know Jason Aldean. <laughs> a lot of people didn't know who Jason Aldean was until this week because of what CMD. You know, they, you know what? They don't get it. Every time they attack believers, all of a sudden they get them to be well, well known amongst everybody. So tomorrow if they try to cancel you, all of a sudden you're going to be known by a lot of people. You know, oh, that's how I get famous. No, you don't want to get famous that way because... <laughs> You're going to go, oh, Lord, why? I was just speaking the truth. And remember this, what Jesus said. If the world hates you, remember this, Jesus said, they hated me first. Okay? So you don't have to worry about all that stuff. Just keep the cross before you and the world behind you 
and you're going to do all right. And if you do that, you're going to be a happier person. Your marriage will be happier. Your kids will be happier. You'll be happier. It doesn't matter if you drive a beat-up old car, you'll be happier if you keep Jesus before you and the world behind you. Remember, Jesus really just got around by having a good pair of sandals. Right? Next time he comes, he'll be riding a white horse. I can't wait. I can't wait. How about you? Because you'll be riding with him on your own horse. Come on. Did you ever, didn't you ever want to ride a flying horse? Yeah. We get to do that. We get to ride a flying horse. And you're not going to be scared because you're going to be riding with Jesus. Because perfect love casts out all fear. Oh, my word. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I went a little longer today, but that's, I felt like you wanted me to finish this message. Lord, I thank you for touching us today with your grace and your love. Help us always to keep you before us, Lord Jesus. Help us to live for you each and every day. Help us, Lord, to share the good news that you save with others. Help us to reach our mission field. We praise you for this. We glorify you for this, Lord Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that the new covenant is greater than the old because it's based in your grace and your mercy. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All glory and honor goes to our Savior and our Heavenly Father. Amen. Well, I'm so glad that you joined us today on Facebook or YouTube. If you, hey, you know what? If you were out on the pontoon, can you just let us know? That'd be kind of fun to know. If this was a blessing to you, can you just give us a thumbs up? Because I want to be praying for you. Hey, God bless you. I will see you next time. Remember, New Life is located at 1021 South Center Street in Wapiton, North Dakota. See you next time.